0: the next step in following Jesus, and you're not sure what that is, would you write that on a card that should be in one of the seats in front of you? Write that in a card and put it in the offering um, when it goes by. It's not in the bulletin this week, but it was announced last week. There is a meal at Stephen and Shannon Thomas's at 5 o'clock tonight that you're invited to. It is primarily for the Ministry of Hope, and if you're just interested in knowing more about it, or... They're involved in helping needy people, especially single mothers and their families, but beyond that, serving in our, through the body coming together. It's not for everybody to be directly engaged in that way, but for some of you, you need to be, and it would be really encouraging to you to come. It's not too late to come. Would you let them know by even talking to Stephen? Stephen, stand up for a second. Shannon's in, Shannon's in the nursery this morning. And then, or putting it in the offering that you want to go to Stevens, or let me know and I'll pass it on to him as well. And so, please, please respond and go. I, I just think it'll it'll be a blessing to you and to them. Uh, a few other things to let you know um, in are coming up: the women's Titus two talks, women to women, that are going to be meet, meeting on the fifteenth Tuesday, the fifteenth of May. That's going to be at Julie's house, and so there's sign up out here. Uh, there's, on the 20th of May we're going to have our, a members meeting on the 20th right at the end of the service during that morning service and so join us for that to worship and then to gather if you're interested in becoming a member you're kind of already in that process and you're not sure about that please let me know we'd love to bring you in a membership um, soon for that and, and we have a fighter verse that continues on we're going through the 16 verses of the through the Bible, or the whole story of the Bible in 16 verses. We started with creation, and then God created humankind, man, human beings, in his image. And it says here in Genesis 128, and God blessed them. I mean, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens. I want you to think about this. The very first words of, from God to human beings, a blessing in the form of a command we often think of commands as that's law and I want grace yeah I'll take law but I need grace too well it was grace he blessed them and gave them a command to be fruitful and multiply and so God has he, he is in his grace calls us and he starts by blessing us his people one last thing before we start, we, we go to the reading and prayer. Uh, I, I have I sh- I shared one book, a couple books last week. I have a book I want to give away. It's called "Listen Up: A Practical Guide to Listening to Sermons." It will give you seven ways to better listen to sermons in general, to listen to sometimes dull sermons and think in a good perspective. It also just how to help the, the preacher do a better job. It actually talks about that. Seven suggestions for encouraging good preaching. It's a really practical, helpful book. If you said, I will take that, if you give it to me, I will read it in the next month. It's not a long book, 30 pages. I'd love to give it to you. Who, would, who wants this book? Jason, I'll give that to you. And we'll have more in the coming weeks. So I'll get you one, Karen. Okay. Russ, would you come and, and bring us to prayer?
1: eighteen to twenty-two. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom The whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Would you pray with me, please? Father, Son, and Spirit, we have gathered today to worship you. Please accept our worship. Today in in this place, cause your name and your fame to increase. Today in this place, cause your kingdom, your rule, your reign to increase in the hearts of all those within the sound of my voice. May your kingdom increase as souls are brought to faith in Jesus Christ. Today in this place, Cause your will to be done, Not our will, Lord, not our will, but your will. You are worthy of all praise, all glory, all honor, all worship, all obedience, because you are our creator. You are utterly holy. You rule heaven and earth. You sustain all things. You have revealed yourself to your creatures in Scripture. And most of all, you are the Redeemer God. Jesus humbled himself, became the God-man, was tortured, bled, died, and rose again, that we might be forgiven and have eternal life. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Let his name forever be praised. We ask these things in his glorious name. Amen.
0: Let's stand together. Spirit of God. Go to our great Father and just pause to remember we are talking to the King of Ages, the God who says, Ask and seek, and find, who hears, is good and merciful. Father, we come to you and I pray that we would come as hungry children to be fed by you this morning. We come in your Son's name. Jesus, our Lord and our Savior and our Shepherd and our friend and our big brother, our way and truth and life, we come to You and we ask that You would feed us. We confess that we are often divided as a people because of our sin, namely our selfishness and our pride, our idolatry to comfort and pleasures. And for the praise of man, we do not give ourselves to each other as we ought. And we don't demonstrate properly to each other and to the world that what true community ought to look like. And so would you make us one, Father, as you and the Son are one. We rejoice that you have made us one in Christ. We are in Him by you love if we've come to receive Him by faith and have been saved. Therefore, we are one with one another. Would you forgive us of our selfishness and our greed and our envy and our fear of people and our prejudice and slanders and gossip or judgmentalism our thoughtlessness and our indifference for each other? Our lack of generosity? Forgive us for being Apathetic and without care for one another. Thank you for not being indifferent to us. Thank you that you treat us far better than we treat each other and far better than we would treat you. Keep us from the evil one. Keep us from sinful hypocrisy this morning as we come to the table. We're so prone to fall into that as we'll see in the text this morning. Would you set us apart for the truth Help us to be known by the truth. Help us to know the truth and believe the truth and share the truth and live the truth. Jesus, You are the truth, and we thank You that You have come and revealed that to us and help us open the eyes of others. Would You help us as we take communion this morning? Help us to take it in a worthy manner as unworthy sinners saved by Your grace. Help us to examine ourselves properly. Help us to have our eyes compensated So that we can see better than any contact lens, spiritual contact lens. Help us to see rightly ourselves and you through the gospel. Open our eyes to see your word, your gospel, your son, your church, and each other. Would you save this morning those who are unsaved? Those that are wayward and they don't know if they're saved, would you bring them into assurance? not just by making them feel good about their sinfulness, but but believe in the gospel and would they recommit to you? Would you please work this morning? We have Mike and Lorianne here, Dunford, and I pray that you would guide and direct their paths and our paths. If you're calling them to join this body as a pastor, would you make it so very clear to us and to them? No matter what, would you please bless them and give them a joyful appreciation of your work? And in our church. God, I pray that you'd bless the congregation of Crossway Chapel in Aurora this morning. Would you prosper their efforts to live out the gospel, preach the gospel, share the gospel to their community, bless their elders, bless the preaching of the word, bless their membership and congregation. Would you be glorified there? I pray that you'd do the same for Munising Baptist Church, up in Munising, and Brother Jason LaFlam, and I pray that you'd Bless their church and their school. I know that they had a death of a dear one down in Ann Arbor this week. And I just pray, God, you would help their body as they grieve and bless them and minister to them and help them to prosper as you would have them prosper with the gospel. Would you meet our physical needs this morning? We have them. There are some in varying degrees and there are some with very big burdens, concerns, and they don't know what's going on. I pray that for many in this room. I pray that for Diana. She's back home and will be here soon. And I pray that for Gus and Cheryl. Oh, God, I pray that you would give us a faith, not in doctors, but in you. But I pray that you would heal through doctors and without doctors. And would you help the fathers that are in this room to be men of God? And to not lead by their absence, but lead by their presence. By their presence before you, their prayerfulness with you, their love. And I pray that they would not be hypocrites as they take this meal. But they would be unworthy sinners coming in a worthy way, broken before you. I pray that for all of us. I pray for the help, I pray for the friendships that they would grow in this church. And would you help us to enjoy every gift that you've given, but never make them an idol, but serve you and others with them. Watch over the missionaries of our church, all of them today, as they serve, protect them and their wives, and their, their families, their children, their needs, the cultural challenges. And that now as we take this offering, God, we're going to take this offering. We don't give to you in order to gain some benefit from you. We give because all that we have is yours. We give because we love the gospel, because we love your church. We love missions, and we love, and God, where we don't love those things, help us to do it anyways, and love. Them. learn to love those things. And so we give, and we thank you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite the ushers to come forward to take the offering now. invite you to take your bulletins, hopefully you have them, and I hope you got a bulletin, because you're going to need, I, I would suggest you use the notes, and there are sheets at the end of each aisle, at least one of them, because we're going to read the church covenant at the end of this time before we take communion. Would you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11? 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I failed to do this in the announcements. We, are, we have some special guests this morning. Mike and Lori Ann Dunford were here this weekend. They shared during the Sunday school hour. Mike and Lori will you stand for just a minute and kind of do a 360 rotation? Uh, thank you. Um, Mike Mike is here in order to visit to see if God's leading them and calling them. We're considering them to, to serve as an associate pastor here and lead our youth. And do other things in the church, and so would you pray for them? And, and we may just have them back, so you'd be in prayer for them. And 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I love great meals. I love feasts. Do you? I'm married to one of the best meal preparers there is. I'm biased, but I, I think I am. But I want to talk to you about a meal that I want to say is the best meal you could ever have on this earth. It's a glorious foretaste of something coming. I'm talking about the Lord's Supper. How many of you have ever been in a service where there has been the Lord's Supper? If you have, raise your hands. I think I'm in good company here. But I first want to talk to you this morning about family reunions to set the, sta- set the stage for this text that we have. If you look in my study down the hall, you'll see on the south wall a large picture of my grandparents, Paul and Mamie Patz. They started Northland. Paul was a patriarch of my family. He, it was a large family. It is a large family. He's passed away now, but seven kids, 28 grandchildren, who knows how many great-grandchildren, they just keep coming, and great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren have abounded. And I remember family reunions as a kid. They were an expression of family togetherness and unity. And they built even more family togetherness and care for each other. They, they stopped happening at some point, probably after Grandma died, and the lives of family... And they took on their own families because they were becoming parents, grandparents, and all of that. And that happens at times. And I remember those reunions as fun and full of unity and joy. We gathered. We ate food. We sang songs. We had skits. We played games. We quit. Uh, We had quite a jolly time of family bliss. Now, could you imagine, though, a large family that boasted of a, a patriarch father or just great father and grandfather and great grandfather big family that bragged of unity and accomplishment they were all put together and you were invited to their family reunion. you were excited about doing that because you heard a lot about it and you just wanted to see how this is real and you show up a little bit early so that you don't miss anything and you want to get the whole experience in and some of the you get there and some of the older siblings are already there And they've already started eating all the good food, the best of food, leaving just some leftovers. And in fact, as you get closer, you can tell that they're actually tipsy. They've drunk a lot of wine and a lot of beer, and they are not looking so good. There's cursing and complaining, as you observe the day. There's accusations. There's an expression of even class warfare. The grandchildren that were adopted into the family, and they're not of the same color and race, they kind of go to the back of the line and they're kind of the second-class citizens. The sisters that are actually talking to each other are gossiping about the ones that they have a grudge against. Several of the families haven't talked for years and refuse to come. What you thought would be a beautiful expression of family love and unity centered around grandfathers actually... an expression of hypocrisy. At least they're talking about this unity, but there's none. In fact, this family could only survive this only a couple years because the whole family would be destroyed if they did this too often. The wonderful and happy family centered in grandpa as a joke, a reunion was meant to be an expression of unity of family love, but instead it was an expression of selfishness and sin. Now, this was the case for the church in Corinth and how they practiced their gathering and had the Lord's Supper. And I want you to look with me at 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen 17-34. We're going to divide that text into three sections. And I want you to see the text, ponder the meaning of the Lord's Supper, and then apply it to your life. We, let's apply it to our lives as a church you see this passage and in your notes you have is this passage can be divided into three sections Paul first in 17 through 24 gives a very blunt confrontation in verses 23 through 26 he gives a gospel standard, he gives a confrontation and then he says here's the standard by which I give you the bluntness and then this last end of the passage 27 through 34 he gives instructive warning Let's look at all three of them by reading this passage. Number one, see the blunt confrontation in verses 17 through 22. Paul gives a condemnation to the church in Corinth for their Lord's Supper practice and practices. Let's read it. Paul says, But in following instructions, I do not... In the following instructions... I do not commend you because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, let me hear I want you to hear this it is not the lord's supper that you eat but they were but it's not the lord's supper you're eating for in eating each one goes ahead with his own meal one goes hungry another gets drunk what do you not have houses to eat in and to drink in or do you not or do you despise the church of God, and humiliate those who have nothing. What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you to this? Commend you in this? No, I will not. Paul rips into this church with full authority and propriety. Paul rips into this church and says, regarding your gathering together for the Lord's Supper, it's a joke. You're gathering, but it's not the Lord's Supper you're eating. You're gathering. Should I commend you? No, I will not because it's actually not even neutral what you're doing. It's not better to gather. It's actually worse that you're gathering for church and worshiping with the Lord's Supper the way you are doing it. What a blunt uh, conversation or description or confrontation that paul gives in this now the best i can understand is going on here is that in the early church the church like us today gathered on the first day of the week and the reason why they gathered on the first day of the week and they called it the lord's day is because it was the day that jesus rose from the dead they gathered on the first day of the week. It says in Acts and in the, in the Scriptures, they would gather to worship. And during, when they did that, they would gather and often take of the Lord's Supper that Jesus had instructed them, as we see here. Now, what would happen, though, is because we live still in the early church in a Roman world spread about, abroad in the Mediterranean. They had, there was Jews and Gentiles, but the, the, it wasn't a Christian culture yet. And so they were running on a Roman calendar, which from what I understand was a 10-day calendar. And so the Lord's Day was not always a day off, especially for those that were, of course, slaves, because there were slaves in the church. That were, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were slaves. I mean, a large part of the Roman Empire was, was, owned, was slaved. And some of them were working, working people, but they were not rich, but they were free people, but they worked. And so they would work on the Lord's day. And so they couldn't meet in the morning, so they would gather at night. And of course you gather at night, let's have a potluck. And so they would have a potluck and everybody would bring their food and they would come and they would worship and then they would gather and they would take of the Lord's supper. Well, what happened was you had these rich people. They didn't have to work. They would show up early. Maybe they had it in their house. They hosted in their house and they would eat all their food. And they always had good food, and they always had plenty of it. And they would eat it, and they would start drinking it, and they would drink wine, and they would drink more wine, and that wine would get them in trouble. And maybe those that work but aren't slaves, they could get off work, and they could come, and they'd get their second, and they would come, and they might get some food. And then those that are really poor would show up last at the end with no food. People are drunk. Paul says, this is a joke. This is a joke about how you are treating what you call the Lord's Supper. You are despising the church, the assembly of God, and you humiliate those who have nothing. That's that's how this passage begins. So Paul gives this confrontation bluntly, And then secondly, he gives us gospel standards. He says, okay, the basis of why, this is number two, Paul gives gospel standards and says the basis for my rebuke, just a few verses is, I want you to tell you what the Lord's Supper really means. You have no idea what it means. You don't understand what's going on here, I guess. At least you're not in your mind thinking this. You need to look to Christ. Here it is. Verse 23-26 through 26. For I received from the Lord, Paul says, what I also are delivered to you. So he had already shared this. This is not new information for Corinth. That the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. This is the Last Supper. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. One chapter earlier, this is the same letter. This is not ten sermons earlier. This is a letter that they're reading to the church. Paul said, in talking about divisions elsewhere and actually about idolatry and their relationship with the world. He says, Do you know the cup of blessing? You know, it was a cup. You know the cup of blessing? It is our participation in the blood of Jesus. And he would held up a loaf. Do you know, you know the bread? It is participation in the body of Christ when we do this. We're actually participating in Christ. We're having fellowship with Christ. That that word participation means fellowship. It's the same word. And then he he applies it and says, "If if you have this relationship with God and Jesus, when we take of this meal, it has relationship implications. And so he says, don't you know that because there's only one bread, did he held up a loaf? We are many and one body. We all partake of one bread. You are together. And, and you're with one in Jesus means you're one with one another. And this should remind you, and you're making a mockery of how you're dealing with the one another in answering these questions, we're faced to ponder, remember, focus on the significance of who we are, who Christ is, and what the gospel is. He says, how can you take seriously what Christ has done for you and has done for his people and act like this in your church? Don't you know what this meal is all about? You're a living contradiction to how what you confess every time you gather. It's worse. You're lying about Jesus and what... God Jesus does by the way you take the Lord's Supper. Stop it. We're going to spend some time pondering what the means of the Lord's Supper in just a minute. So let's look at the last section of this passage. Paul says then, he so he starts by saying blunt confrontation. This is then, secondly, this is the basis of what I'm doing, why I'm saying this, this is what the Lord's Supper means. And then he gives them instructive warning. Paul instructs the church their ways and to prepare rightfully for the Lord's Supper. Verses 27 and following, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, hear that, and in an unworthy manner, will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself, then so eat the bread and drink the cup, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Then Paul looks at it and says, that is why. Many of you in the church of Corinth are weak and ill, and some have even died. God was judging them. He was actually bringing illness and death on Christians because of the way they were acting. But he says, but if we judge ourselves. Truly we will not be judged, but when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, his instructions. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together it will not be for judgment. About the other things I will give directions when I come. You see what Paul's doing? He gives instructions, and this is what he says and I believe it's an application to you and I at Faith Church of Linden, not 2,000 years later, Paul tells them and tells us, your sin against each other is sin against Jesus Christ, and it will result in God's judgment. When you sin against your brother or sister in gossip or indifference, when you sin against your sister with slander or unforgiveness, you sin against the Lord Jesus Christ And God will judge Now he will forgive And he will have mercy And he's drawing us to that Examine yourself Contest your sins Seek him Judge yourself and examine yourself Is the response That we should, we should take From this exhortation From Paul So what is the Lord's Supper? We call it communion also This is a practice that has been done for almost 2,000 years. It was instituted by our Lord on the night He was betrayed and taken. It was given to us to keep doing in remembrance of Him until He returns. This is something the church does when they gather. We do it monthly, usually the first Sunday of the month. This is something we must do and be committed to and be committed to making it more meaningful and regular. This is something with significant meaning. You see, on the night that Jesus was arrested, he ate the Passover meal with his disciples. Now, you need to know some Jewish history to know the Passover meal was a foreshadowing, really, of this meal and actually more so of what Jesus was about to do on the cross. The Passover brings us to the people enslaved in Egypt, the Israelites, and the Exodus. Israelites were told to kill a lamb or a goat and put the blood over the doorposts in order that to be saved from God's judgment that was coming over all the land of, Israel, of Egypt. They were to prepare a meal that was ready to go. They needed to be ready. It was takeout food. They were going to have to flee. That's how they would do it every year afterwards. Every year they were to do this for generations, generations. And they were marked people who were... This meant they were marked people who were delivered from slavery. And they were delivered from slavery not because they deserved it, but because of blood. This meal would mark and shape the identity of this Israelite people. Every year they would celebrate this meal, and in generations to come, parents would tell their children... They would say, when our fathers, but they wouldn't say our fathers, even though they weren't alive at this time, when we were in Egypt, God delivered us. Because it was as though we were there. This is our people. This is our identity. This is who we are. When we were in Egypt, God delivered us. God made us a people. God rescued us. Not because we deserved it, but because of blood. The blood of the lamb. Now, Jesus is going to the cross and he's about to deliver and make a people by the blood of his sacrifice. He will make a people who will be a family, one body. We've been praying about it and talking about it and reading scripture about it this morning. And we're going to celebrate this one bodiness. Jesus was going to make a body, a people. They will be united to him and to each other. And it's not because they deserved it, but it's because of the blood. He's giving them a meal that would shape their new identity. That meal is the Lord's Supper. You have in your bulletin in the back with the notes a good and long definition of what is the Lord's Supper. Some of you like long definitions, so I'm going to give it to you, but I'm going to give you more for those that don't like long definitions. What is the Lord's Supper? This is a thorough and really helpful one that I want to revisit in the months to come. The Lord's Supper is a church's act of communing with Christ and each other and of commemorating Christ's death by partaking of bread and wine and a believer's act of receiving Christ's benefits and renewing his or her commitment to Christ and His people, thereby making the church one body and marking it off from the world. I know some of you thrive off of long answers, and so... I, I put it in your bulletin, but most of you are not helped by a fifty-five word definition or answer or sentence. So I want you to think. I want you to think that passage, and I'm going to actually break down that into five sections real quickly. But I want to give you different categories that might help you as you take the Lord's Supper this morning, and as you, you think about it. And I pray that we would think about it more intentionally, and more deliberately, and more biblically. So think this way. If we are saved, we are united to Christ and to Christ. We are united to Jesus and Jesus's, his people. And this meal is meant to be the following. It is meant to be a family reunion, weekly or monthly, whenever we gather. It is meant to be a gospel workout. It is meant to be spiritual nutrition. It is meant to be like a vow renewal service each time we gather. And it is meant to be a lamp lighting or a lamp shining or a rekindling. Let's take each in its turn. First, the Lord's Supper is, may I suggest, a family reunion. And this is what I mean by it from the definition that I gave you. A church's act of communing with Christ and each other. When a family gathers on an evening, after a long day of school, work, play, whatever it is, you gather together. A good, healthy family, ideally, you come together to, reun- to co- reunite, to recumb you share how your day went. You, you you create that as part of your identity, your togetherness. You're building a bond and a culture and a tradition. So the Lord's Supper is a coming together regularly in something that unites us most and central. It is not just a potluck, though it could be included with a potluck. It's more, it directly, but unites us in 1 Corinthians 10 says, as I read before, the cup that you bless is participation in Christ. It's fellowship with Christ. And the cup you, and the the bread is is the participation in the body of Christ. And by the way, the bread it should make you immediately go, you're part of the bread, all of you, but there's only one, lo- there's one loaf, and so there's not more than one loaf. You don't have the convenience of other loaves. You are stuck with the one another that you're together with. It's a family meal gathered, and don't make a mockery of that family meal. It's an expression of intimacy we eat together, but we eat of Jesus. We commune with Jesus together. We say, this is what matters most, and we are together in Jesus. We gather and we have fellowship and close communion. There's one bread, and so we take of that one bread. Let me ask you this. Do the rest of your lives and the rest of your week and the rest of your month demonstrate what is, that it is true? Or is the Lord's Supper an act of hypocrisy for you? All of us can be guilty of it, and we can repent this morning and confess our sins. It's very easy that you could, I've seen this in churches, I've seen this in this church even, where right before the service, one member is talking to another, God forbid, and they get into it and they, they argue and they fight and they, they complain about one another and they get into it. It may never be. Jesus died for both of you. He loves you both. You are, have no choice but to forgive because he forgave you. Why would you not? It is because you're not remembering what this meal means do we love the Lord Jesus Christ and care to honor him do we love each other and care to get to know each other one of the greatest hindrances to in this probably one of the greatest violations in any church in our modern American culture is not the fighting that will take place between you but that's, that's a problem it can be it's your indifference for each other we yeah I don't the opposite of love is not hate. Usually, it's apathy or indifference. This, path, this, this should reunite us and go. Oh, yeah, they are my body. I am one with them, just as I'm one with Jesus. I cannot say I'm one with Jesus and say I'm not with them. It's a. It's. This is a family reunion, keeping us close, expressing realities and. God uses it to grow those realities. Just as a good reunion, it says to the it's, it communicates that we're a family and we're close. It also keeps us close. It re, it it bonds us closer. But in Christ, in the table. Secondly, this meal, the Lord's Supper, is a gospel workout. Or, using the long definition, it's the church's act. Of commemorating Christ's death by partaking of bread and wine. We're going to do that in just a minute. Jesus said, Do this in remembrance of me, commemorating his death. You proclaim my death until I come. And so when we do this on a monthly basis, or how often we do this, it is like a regular remembering ceremony, a regular discipline. I call it a gospel workout. Because it is, every time we do this, it's like we're, hey, we can get flabby about remembering the gospel. And we need to discipline ourselves. We, don't, we need to exercise this, this grace of looking to Jesus, what he did on the cross. And we remember, when it says you remember his death, Christ's death, that is meant to take all of his, what his death meant. His living perfectly, obeying His dying, His raising from the dead, His being ascended into heaven and giving grace to all who believe and making them His people. We remember what Christ did for us in the Gospel. When we take the bread, we should say, His body was broken for me and for her. For me and for my son to a believer. This blood is called the covenant in His blood for our forgiveness. And as in the Passover, we are actually declaring when we take the cup, our identity together is forgiven sinners. Together. We're redeemed people. We're a loved and chosen people who have one thing in common. It doesn't matter if we have race in common. It doesn't matter if we have finances in common or interests in common or sports. We surely don't here in this church. Um, all these things... But we have Jesus in common and that's all that matters. We take the cup of God's blessing because His death... Don't you hear this? We will take the cup of God's blessing. That's what that's called today. The cup of God's blessing. Because in His death, Jesus' death, He drank the cup of God's wrath. That we might take the cup of blessing. That's the gospel in the death of Christ. It's a gospel workout. We want to do it regularly lest we get flabby and need the exercise of this remembrance. Thirdly, it's spiritual nutrition to the believer. It's a believer's act of receiving Christ's benefits. When we come together, we eat and drink in faith, remembering together, proclaiming Christ's death together. And it, how can it not nourish our faith If we're remembering rightly and examining rightly. If our minds and our hearts are pondering Christ and his death. Paul said in chapter 10, is not this cup participation or fellowship in the body and blood of Christ? How could we actually fellowship with Jesus and not get edified by it? If we're doing it rightly. This doesn't mean this is spiritual nutrition. If you go, I'm going to come not think about anything about God spiritually, but I'm just going to drink that juice, I'm going to eat that bread, and I'll feel spiritual nutrition for the rest of the month. I'll, I'll, it's it's my spiritual vitamins. No. In fact, it can be a sick medicine that will hurt you badly, as Paul's saying, if you, you're you taking it wrongly and and just despising the church of God can make you sick, this is but it is meant to be spiritually nutritious. What I mean by that nourishing to our faith and our hope in Christ. He told us not to just look at bread and cup. He didn't tell us to just hear the word of the cross in this meal. He actually told us to take it and eat it and digest it. He told us to take it into our senses and just as... A meal when rightly taken, just as bread and wine may nourish or enliven a body that has no food or drink, so does this meal when taken rightly in faith and looking to Christ, it nourishes us and builds us up, both our joy and our dependence. We take this meal, we're fellowshipping uniquely with Jesus. Our guilty consciences are reminded once again that we have an all-sufficient Savior. We're unworthy, but He is. We are reminded of God's love and our need for Him. We are brought again to the reality that we do not live by bread alone, but by the very words of God. We come with hunger for spiritual nutrition. Would you come this morning saying, oh, I need you, Jesus. I'm, I'm parched and I'm thirsty and I need Jesus. I am not sufficient to take it. If I, if I linger until I'm, my conscience is ready, I won't come at all, as the song says. Just as this, this sermon and any sermon is meant to bring you spiritual benefits of Christ through the preached word, so God does intend to take it, to make this happen through the Lord's Supper. Apart from Jesus, we experience a pathetic malnutrition spiritually. He's our life, and we run to Him with the, to the nourishments of His grace in the cross. Fourthly, it's a vow renewal service. This morning, think of it as a vow renewal service. What I mean by that? A believer's act of renewing his or her commitment to Christ and to his people. It's a monthly vow renewal service. Like the Passover, this meal, she makes us take the cup and say, this is the new covenant in Jesus' blood, and I'm renewing covenant. Israelites knew that the blood and covenant went together. They knew if there was covenant, there was blood. And if there was a blood, that often related to covenant. And because of the blood, God made a promise to you and me. I entered into covenant by faith in Christ. And a heartfelt trust to cling to Jesus alone for my Savior. And I hope you do that if you haven't done that. This meal, then, is not a way of getting saved. This is a meal that says I am saved. And I've come fully by grace and through faith in Him... But again, as I take this meal, and by faith I remember, I say, Jesus, You are my Lord. Jesus, I trust You. Jesus, I follow You. Jesus, I am committed to You. But if I'm committed to You, I'm also committed to Yours, that I'm united with. It's an act that we together say, I follow You. I participate in Your death and Your body and with your whole body, because we are one. It's an act of a believer together. We are the, not having the Lord's Supper as a private devotional time. We are going to, when we take the Lord's Supper this morning, we're going to come forward from the sides. We're going to come and we're going to take a piece of bread that the, usher, the deacons will have and then a cup. You're going to go back to your seats and wait. And it can be awkward because you're looking at people and you're not sure. Are you supposed to look down? Are you supposed to be praying, but what if you trip? You're supposed to be thinking about all those things. I encourage you to look first to the cross, look up to the cross, then look out to each other because you are one. You are called to be one with them and would you make it a type of commitment to one another? And that's why we're going to read our church covenant. You say, what is that? I'm going to tell you at the end here. This meal is a vow renewal service of kind. As a married couple, 50 years in marriage gathers to restate their vows and commitment to each other so we monthly gather, take bread and cup, we say Jesus is everything. He's my nourishment. The gospel is my life. I'm united to him and each other and I, how could I not say, oh God, give me more grace to keep following and following with each other. Here's my last point. This Lord's Supper is a type of lamp lighting or a lamp rekindling. We as a church are not just to sit here and just be some do-gooders on Sundays and then we go out and like we're like the rest of the world. We are marked as God's people. We are to be distinct from the world in order to be a blessing to the world and glorify God. We are to be holy people. Yes, sinners, but being saved, being reconciled. I mean, not being reconciled, we've been reconciled, but being sanctified or made holy. This meal is meant to be the type of thing that keeps us short of counts. We come together in the church, it's a church's expression of act of their oneness in Christ and their distinctiveness from the world. The result of the supper should be we're one body. We are one, and he has called us to be one and made us one. We are made one not by our commitment but by his body and blood. We are one as one, we are different. We are distinct from the world. We are loving and gracious. There's a type of way we're inclusive, and there's another way we're exclusive. We, we include everyone into our lives because we love them and we want them to have what only is found in this great covenant of the gospel, in Jesus Christ. We are made to be lights in the world and salt. light, Salt is of no value if it has no distinction from the world this meal be for us a month by month lamp rekindling rekindling. we go from here not forgetting what it's all about we want our light to shine glorious in a dark world for Christ we are a chosen race a priesthood a holy nation a people of his own possession that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light so let me conclude by Reading the words of Paul in chapter eleven. He says, Don't drink in an unworthy manner. Don't drink in an unworthy manner. But say instead, understand, this is a family reunion and this is a gospel workout and spiritual nutrition and a vow renewal and lamplighting. Remember who you are. Um, instead, but don't drink in unworthy. This meal is this meal that we're gonna take is for true believers. True believers who have been baptized. I would say, are submitting to and following and committed to a local church. Maybe you're in the process of doing that. If you're a baptized believer, we welcome you to do that. When I say someone that has come to a living faith in Jesus Christ and He is your Savior, and you know that, it is for unworthy sinners who have been saved, but are to take it in a worthy manner. Paul says, "Take it in a." He says, "You better not take it in an unworthy manner." He didn't say you have to be worthy. None of us are worthy. We're all unworthy sinners. But what he means by taking in a worthy manner is come humbly, broken, confessing our sins, examining ourselves, looking around and saying, "Oh, where do I need to confess my sins to a brother or a sister in Christ that I've been holding a grudge to or maybe somebody that I didn't see they had a need and they they did and I just I was blind to it." We can do we can show hypocrisies in all kinds of ways through our thoughtlessness. It might be we have very little care for building relationships in this body because we already are good outside of it, in our own family or something else. Or we have very little care to be doers of the word like last Sunday where our tongue is still a mess and it's just like the world. We don't care for the poor. We don't care for those that are marginalized or needy or our relationship with the world—we're we're just like the world. We have the same loves, same passions. Uh, we just go to church on Sunday, and we think we're going to heaven. Or the hypocrisies of a failure to assume the best in people, and so we're judgmental, and we don't—we hold grudges. We put ourselves first, and we think so highly of ourselves. Maybe it's how we give or don't give to the church and give to one another in need. And that we're saying Jesus gave me all, but I, I'm i not living that way. I think this meal is meant to, to do a, a convicting, afflicting the comfortable, but comfort the afflicted. We're, we're to go, oh, I, I'm way too comfortable in my sin, but oh God, forgive me. I apply your grace. Thank you for dying. And now I commit to being a doer of the word, oh God, help me towards the body, and not just in my devotions but with each other I'm going to be committed to gather together, I'm going to make it a priority because this is my body, I'm going to pray together on Wednesday nights, we're to pray for one another, be committed to the word, it's a way in which we can pray together on Wednesdays so have you made a truce with sin in your life, surrender this morning Jesus died because of that sin. How can you let it be Lord of your life and take a meal and say, I'm having fellowship with you. Confess right now. Get right and take in a worthy manner. Confess your sins. If you have to go to one another this morning in the room, it's better for you to interrupt this service or the beginning of this. Don't just walk straight up. Maybe you need to go to somebody and say, hey, I'm sorry for talking to you this way or treating you this way. Renew your commitment to Christ and we're going to take the meal now. The church covenant is something that matters. Would you take your insert, the insert you should have in your bulletin, and there are a few on the ends of the rows And say you don't have it, and we might need to share with the, each other because we're going to read it together. The church covenant is something that if you become a member, you agree to, but I admit that we have not promoted this or put this before us, and that we ought to or we should get rid of it. Churches, and our church has done this for decades, but churches have done this for centuries, is when they gather together to commit to be one body together in a local congregation with pastors and deacons, they commit certain things to one another, and they call it a church covenant. It's There's there's different ways of talking about it, and in this covenant that we have is, um, I guess it would be part, it's part promise and part summary of expectations for one another. It's an ethical statement. It's a biblical standard, and we summarize how we promise to live together in covenant. So, as we, t- it's appropriate as we're going to take this meal, we're going to say, "Oh God, I'm committing to you and to each other here." So, I'm going to, I'm going to ask us as members, but you don't have to be if you're not a member. But say you're. This is we didn't we'd ask you to be a member. Talk to us about that. But if you consider this your home and you're. Uh, committed to this church this time, would you, would you you? can join us in this as well and we're going to read this together as, a, as an expression of oh God, help us only by your grace can we do these things, but you can help us do this, so I'm going to lead you and we'll slowly read this after that I'm going to invite deacons to come and we're going to take the supper okay, let's say it together having been led by the Holy Spirit to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, and on the public confession of our faith, having been baptized by immersion in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we do now in the presence of God in this assembly solemnly and joyfully renew covenant with one another and as body in Christ. We will purpose, therefore, by the aid of the Holy Spirit to walk together in Christian love, to strive for the advancement of this church in knowledge, holiness, and love, to promote its prosperity and spirituality, to attend its services regularly, to sustain its worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines, to give it a sacred preeminence over all institutions of human origin, to give faithfully of time and talents and activities, and to contribute cheerfully and regularly as God has prospered us to the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel throughout all nations. We also will strive by the aid of the Holy Spirit to maintain family and private devotions, to train our children according to the Word of God, to seek the salvation of our families and neighbors, to walk in a God-pleasing manner in the world, to be just in our dealings, faithful in our engagements, and exemplary in our conduct, to avoid all gossip, backbiting, and unrighteous anger, to abstain from all forms of activity which dishonor our Lord Jesus Christ, cause stumbling to the fellow believer, hinder the sharing of the gospel with others, to be zealous in our efforts to advance the cause of Christ our Savior and give Him preeminence in all things. We further purpose in our heart to encourage one another in the blessed hope of our Lord's return, to watch over one another in brotherly love, to remember each other in prayer, to aid each other in sickness and distress, to cultivate Christian sympathy and feeling and courtesy and speech, and to be slow to take an offense, but always ready for reconciliation and mindful of the rules of our Savior to seek it without delay. We moreover purpose that when we remove from this place, we will, as soon as possible, unite with some other church of like faith and practice where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's word. In the event there is no such church, we shall seek with the Lord's help to establish one. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. Amen. Oh, that God would, by His grace, make that more real commitment in our lives. Deacons, would you come to hold the bread? On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. And he he took the cup and he said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is given for you. You are my people. And as I've already said here, when we take this cup and we take this bread, we are fellowshipping with our Lord Jesus. We're receiving his benefits. We are saying we are one with him and with each other. And when we walk up here to take this, we're going to look at each other and say, I'm with you. I'm in you. I'm, I'm called to love you. You're my brother. You are my sister. And so I'm going to pray and give thanks for this meal. Then if you are a believer and you, as I've described, and you are going to come and take, would, would you come? Outsides and come here and just take that and then head back to your seats and wait and i'll i'll lead you to eat and drink all together if you're here and you're not sure about whether you should take and maybe you're not a christian or you're just you're checking things out so glad you're here it's not embarrassing it's not a bad thing for you just to stay in your seat it's better for you if you're not sure we're so glad you're here and so here let's give god thanks father thank you for this bread that is a symbol of our participation in Christ his righteousness is ours he took our sin our sins are many but his mercy is more we're forgiven and secure forever so we take this bread and this cup, this juice and we say you are my life and I need you I don't live by myself alone I need your grace, I need your help Help me to forgive and help me to love. Oh, Father, make this time an expression of our union with you and union with one another. In Jesus' name, amen. It might be awkward. I want you to turn around and look at one another for a minute. Just do that. Just look around. They're they're your people that you are called to be united to. Christ, Christ died for their sins according to the scriptures and yours. What a glory. Let's take and drink. And let's take and drink. You can pass your cups to the middle and we're going to take in just a minute the grace fund offering for the needs of the poor or the needs that of ministries with those that are in the church that have special needs while we sing to the Lord. So pass it in the middle and you can stand. Thank you. The promised land. Jay's gonna give our benediction in a minute. Uh, There's gonna be a picture. We're gonna show up in here. Gus and Cheryl. I, I, they're in here. They're in the back. Um, we're gonna have a time for prayer for them in the coming weeks. They they recently came back. They've been serving in Detroit and they're becoming members again. They're helping with the youth staff. They're in their 30s. Um, I felt like we you need to know so we can pray, not to give advice, but pray and love them. This week is a week of testing. Cheryl found out that a growth in her stomach. The doctors felt bold enough to say they think it's a serious form of cancer. And um, But there's still a lot of tests to go and don't know. So would you love them and pray for them and care for them? Because I know you do. Paul said when one member suffers, the whole body suffers. And we, there are a lot of needs here. I know there's other physical needs that I haven't mentioned And we pray for them as well So God please help us and Cheryl And help Cheryl this week And send us with this benediction Jesus, Amen Colossians 3 14-15 And above all these Put on love Which binds everything together In perfect harmony And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts To which indeed You were called in one body and be thankful. Let's take a seat together for just a moment and reflect on these truths that we've learned this morning. And as the music begins to play, we can begin.